it's Dan. Welcome to Venti the Super Train, episode 151. I'm your main host. This is a short-lived TV show podcast. Here we cover short-lived TV shows and never got enough love. Eventually we will cover Super Train. Anniversaries are interesting with things like this, aren't they? Two weeks ago I was posting 150, big number. One week ago was the seventh anniversary. That's pretty big. Now it's episode 151, a week after the seventh anniversary. Who cares? No, of course, we all care, and it's fun. And, and guess who's back this episode? For real? Let me tell you, what what do we got going on this episode? We're to start off, Mr. Christopher Bly is joining us for episode 5, I believe, of Galactica 1980. Uh, and then I am joining me for episode 10, the penultimate episode of Gemini Man. And then she's back, the great Amanda Reyes, season 2, episode 1 of Lucan. And there's some changes made in the land of Lucan. And I think let's dive right in, shall we? So episode 151, there's nothing special going on. I'm kidding. We're delightful. Listen to this. Galactica 1980, Episode 5, directed by Sigma Newfield Jr., written by Glennie Larson, March 23rd, 1980. This is the Super Scouts, Part 2. This continues on from where we left off. One of the Super Scouts has got sick, and it's something to do with the local plant, and that's kind of rules over a small town, and there's a mean sheriff, and maybe the guy in charge of the plant is evil, and now our gang has to stop, I guess, all of pollution, or something like that. Christopher and I talk about it a lot, so let me uh, let me play you a little something, and then um, we'll be on the other side. I know it's a bit of a bit cheap, but I misplaced my uh, Ellery Queen Blast sound bites. So I'll give you one more. Super Scouts Part Two, the fifth episode of Galactica 1980, which also might be called Battlestar Galactica on this one. I forgot to check, <laughs> like it was last time. Yeah. And I'm here with the great Mr. Christopher Bly, sir. How are you? Super troopers, Yes. Super, you're a super scout. No, I'm a super scout. We're both. No, super we're scouts. a super scout, son. You're a pepper. I'm a pepper. We're a, okay. So what now? So so we left the last episode with uh, we got a sheriff and we got a deputy and we got a chemical company and we got Colonel Seidel and we got the guys are going to be arrested for robbing a bank and six scouts and yeah. and a freeze of... framed of an old man yes so, seeing the sight of huh? uh, the uh, of the uh, of the fly cycles I wouldn't have been, I I wouldn't be surprised if like if we looked at the closing credits if that was another Larson. That mm-hmm. he just threw in another fam. That's my brother, Tommy Larson. Yay! Uh, so, what did you think of the second and final part of Super Scouts? Well, we could call this Larson Larceny because they're all <laughs> infamous on this case. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But uh, I'll say this: I said like uh, an interesting kind of uh, conclusion. Uh, that uh, who knows where this would go to. I mean, at one point, I kept on thinking, are we watching Galactica 1980? By the way, the title card is Galactica 1980 on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did check, because I know of a couple of the ones that, uh, as we're going to be upcoming on, yeah. had the Battlestar Galactica title card. 
Yeah, they really don't want to confuse the audience unless this is something in, in the package, as they call it, when it goes to the syndication. Yes, yes. Uh, which I think yeah. that might be the reason why we see what we see. I think so, uh, yeah. but, um, but I almost said, are we dealing with Super Scouts or the Apple Dumpling Gang? You know, because Ooh, at one point, yeah. he get, they get to be a little uh, tossy when it comes to that uh, that uh, that uh, throwable fruit of sorts, <laughs> particularly when our uh, leader of the, of the Black Widows posing as a sheriff yes. decides to be... Uh, coming along there and yeah he go, he keeps like oh we'll do something about those body stealers I, I, yeah, it's, it's like oh so they want to get them for more stealage on this one I said, there's a lot of theft that's always talked about on this thing i'm telling yes. you yes it's, it's just nuts you know and then basically you know it's they figure well now we've got the he says the kids are sick we don't know what to do they're declaring them that they're dead and we have the technology to do it but we don't want to blow our cover damn it mm. if we have to but we have to blow our cover to save the kids we must save the kids. It's I, like I said, it's getting very kind of like you know. I guess they figure well, it's sci-fi, and they said, well, this is another way to put the issues in. It's mm-hmm. kind of an issue that's kind of obvious here, you know, in this case. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like, meanwhile, you know, it's like Doctor Z almost tries to reveal himself amongst the Earthlings, but uh, good old uh, Warren Green puts a stop to that. Mm-hmm. Adama says, "Oh no, I'll be the one to go." All beard and all, still the man doesn't know how to shave in the future. <laughs> who know who knows why that is? And it's, it's weird because they said I gotta send out an, an, an they send out an emergency signal, which I had no idea. An uncredited cameo by the chipmunks comes Oof. into play, <laughs> and of course they they have to take the plant manager to the the government facility that they figure this is how we're gonna get our work done. My thing is that why don't you just bring the doctor? I said, like, get the doctor to you know get a little ahead of time planning as to see what they're doing because you have a lot of different medical head case people that are working on the kids and uh, there's a lot of smoke, mm-hmm. there's a lot of lights, uh, there's a lot of freeze framing. That's kind of like where, where all of this started was basically sabotage amongst the Cylons, basically. Mm-hmm. This is a whole Cylon sabotage of, you know, we're trying to go, but nothing is moving and nothing is going to this, so what the hell is this all about? You know, that kind of thing. So, basically, they take the plant managers, so like, here's what we got to show you. We're kind of going into close encounter, future ET territory of sorts, with a lot of smoke. I got to tell you, the, the sets, I have to say, the bright light sets, actually, they're pretty neat on this spaceship that Dr. Z was kind of like forecasting for his for himself. Well, luckily, you know, having no access to anybody else, all but a blown fence, but they mm. still can't move, so they basically have their own bit of sabotage. Who knows if they did, you know, little technical difficulties that maybe it was their own sabotage that led them into their own little situation here. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, the signals go straight up, and they go straight back. That's how they mm-hmm. kind of uh, figure this thing. And then it's Adama to the rescue. And uh, you know, it's like and the, the sh- it's it's funny, but I look at when the ship lands and the ship lands. What's good about the 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 teaser before we get the recap because we get a recap on everything on this. We sure do. When we get the teaser, luckily there's not a shot of the spaceship, which mm-hmm. I think to me is sort of effective on that one. I think pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And then when the sh- when we eventually do see the ship, we kind of ask ourselves, are we sure this isn't the same ship that? Uh, that Ralph Hinckley happened to get his uh, outfit from the greatest American hero here. Mm, oh, it yeah. sort of kind of looked like it was. A, but mm-hmm. then again, if I'm not mistaken, I think one or two of the writers that were on this around that time happened to be employed by Stephen J. Canal yeah. at some point. Mm-hmm. So I, obviously you could see that there is sort of a multiverse kind of going on here. It, it mm-hmm. seems to be like the end thing lately with a multiverse. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's confusing as hell. So, <laughs> but um, 
But uh, the colorful sets and effects are pretty cool, you know. It's, mm-hmm. But you know, like I said, why not bring the doctor? And also too, I gotta say this about the officer um, uh, that's basically you know the UFO seeker over here. Mm-hmm. He kind of is like for me the poor man's Bradford Dillman, you know, which is mm-hmm. okay. you know because he has, has that kind of like pronunciation, whatever that is. I'm surprised they didn't ask Bradford to do this. You know, <laughs> would have been two kind of guest stars instead of just the one. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Troy actually. Gets uh, when he has a conversation with um, Lauren Green, he calls him Boxy. So right there, we're yeah. kind of reminded of where this guy happens to have all the significance there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not a bad interior on the spaceship. You know, it's basically you know a little better than what Close Encounters did show us in that special edition, the dreaded on that one. <laughs> and it mostly, it's like they they said they said, oh my God, we've got this force field that's mist, vapor, and smoke. Mm-hmm. They describe it just like that there. But the great thing is that, you know, they have this whole situation. They do this with the kids. They have no involvement. And then by all the end of it, they get paid off. They say, mm. like, oh, we didn't mean to do the robbery. So they actually did what the bank could not do. They mm. actually were able to currentize yes. the Cubans. And it turned out to be <laughs> they, they didn't even come back for their change because it, it was almost <laughs> overpaid than what they actually had. It's like... Was kind of, I was kind of hoping that they would have had like a big like cheering, like, hooray, we got the gold! Hooray, we got the gold! <laughs> something a little more than, uh, something that was a little more than the tre- treasure of Sierra Madre. Yeah. You know, just a little, little, yeah, it's a little celebration and then fall, falling through the floor. That would be great. You know, just, <laughs> like, what the hell was that? You know, but meanwhile, we get to the end of it. Luckily, things recover nicely for them. And then, meanwhile, the other scouts, they're all sitting in with the diner, and God knows if there's anything contaminated yeah. in any of the food there. That's another thing that they never brought up is that, are we sure that there's not any of that swampage in, like, the diner food? Yes. You know, that's, you would... A little foot to kind of think, like, you know, think twice before you eat another thing of earth food, because it wasn't like, until we get to the bottom of this, you uh, you have to eat this with permission. Yeah. Yes. It's funny, but that, and then basically they get also too. There's a cameo by the Universal Studio sessionettes because every once in a while they have to have a sound alike or a song mm. that they know they can't pay for the real thing. Yeah. But we actually got it on here. In this case, uh, the monkeys got to have a bit of a cameo thanks to the Universal Studio sessionettes <laughs> doing their little sound alike of "I'm a Believer." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Neil Diamond was very happy to hear that. <laughs> Uh, so, so this one, this one, res- there's a whole lot of stuff going on. It, it doesn't have as much to resolve as things two episodes ago, but there's a whole lot of people running around. There's a whole lot of stuff going around, uh, happening um, during during the scene when like the UFO is landing in the end. There's a lot of cutting back and forth between things. Too much? Mm, maybe. I did, however, like the big UFO, and I liked when they brought mm. Mel inside there. Um, and it sort of did one of those things where, um, although I was clearly being manipulated, the scene, you know, where, where Mel sees the future and, uh, spoiler, you know, he sees that his son might be dead in 10 years because of the pollution, so he's going to change his ways. And I thought, well, that might not last long. Um, but I, and I knew, I knew I was being manipulated, but I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a decent, uh, that's, that's a decent ending. And they actually did something this time that they forgot to do at the end of the third episode, which is they left something open at the end, which is you're going to have to stay with the kids on the planet. I forget what the reasoning is. So when the episode ends, Troy and Dylan are there with the kids and they're still on the planet. Whereas at the end of the third episode, it was like, as far as we know, they all took off and they were gone. 
and we're leaving you with the reporter. Yeah, we're, that's what we're gonna do. You're gonna have to look out after them, sweetie. Will there be any kind of interconnection between mm-hmm. Troy, Dylan, or the reporter to have all of this make sense with the Super Scouts? Yeah, we wonder. Mm-hmm. Will, will red turn into black and blue? We don't mm-hmm. know. Yes. But here's the other. But the other thing that comes at us is also too their powerful weapon that they always have. They have a phaser, which I think yes. is eternally on stun. Mm-hmm. On that one, oh, freeze, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah it's, it's freeze, and unfortunately, there's no defrosting. So figure that. <laughs> Not even on the cake. There you go. So, <laughs> but um, but, uh, I, but basically, now here's the thing: the yeah. big cap of it is all. Besides getting another police squad freeze frame, <laughs> yes, because Barry Van Dyke uh, somehow gets it in the face because kids have to be kids, right? Yes. You know? We get a disclaimer about yes. extraterrestrials at the very end. Yeah, that's a bit. I, yeah, that was a bit odd. I don't know why. I know Pro- Project UFO had was just on the air, like, a was it 78, 79 Project UFO was on. I think it was, I think it was done by this point, uh, which which was basically Project Blue Book. And, but I wonder why, I wonder why they felt they needed to put that. Were there people who, like, after the previous episode were, like, expecting alien children to land in their backyard? Or, or, or were there... Maybe- well, maybe I'm thinking, you know, like I said, you know, I guess this was the way of saying that the men in black have come to this film and they're kind of giving the warning that you didn't see anything you know, on one thing. But at the same time, I said, I look at it this way. This is what it says. Here we go. Uh, you know, stop, you know, they stopped investigating UFOs in 1969 for evidence of extraterrestrial visits and no threats to national security. And a disclaimer and no talking orangutan and no Joe Friday epilogue. <laughs> So basically, we're not going to know about the sentence to all these wonderful people here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's it's strange when I saw that because I thought, hmm, why? First off, why not in front of the previous episodes? Why just why start it right here? Maybe they left it off. Uh, oh no no no! Remember, it's ABC, mm-hmm. and you know when an ABC movie or a TV show comes on, we have. Uh, the following has this, this, and that, that. Yeah. Parental discretion is advised. It makes it very ominous to say, uh-oh, something kind of serious or <laughs> lewd. I mean, it could get more ratings. And that, in those days, for those networks, it probably could have gotten a lot more people watching. Say, Geez, I wonder what's so dangerous around yeah. here or so oh, obscene so or strange. what has to be so censored in all this here. You know? Yeah. Maybe, and, um, maybe they had a bunch of um, Boy Scouts calling in saying, I think some of the people in my troop are aliens. Mm. So they had so just, yeah, put, yeah. just put a disclaimer up. Well, we we blows is not a uh, code for like you know uh, <laughs> Elliot talk. Yes, exactly. It's just I don't even know what it was. I was a Weeblow for a year. I don't I don't remember what it meant. But we were not aliens, ladies and gentlemen. We were not aliens. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh oh. So um so the, yeah so the episode is is basically like you saw at the end of the the last one. It's 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 basically a um it's uh. There's a small town that has the factory in it, and the factory's polluting the stream. And you know the sheriff is after the scouts and the Troy and Dylan, and the uh, the reporter is there with the local doctor who knows what's going on. And you know um, workers from the plant show up to try to rough them up and actually push around um, our reporter a little bit, which I thought, oh, you don't do that, guys. Yeah. Well, basically, it, to to put it simply, it basically left us with a more you know. Questionary tale kind of episode of Battlestar Galactica 1980 that basically says, well, we want to cater to the 
the, the children of America here, yeah. so to speak. They say, like, you know, maybe this is something they can watch on Sundays, and maybe they can learn something. Maybe talk to their folks about this and yeah. read up of these books in those libraries. You'd be glad they did use riff. Yes. Yeah, 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 it's it's weird because right now I'm rewatching um probably my favorite uh, Japanese giant monster um, shows, Spectra Man. And in Spectra Man, one of the main things is that when Dr. Gori shows up, he's going to use the heavy pollution in Japan and Tokyo to create his monsters. And so there's and 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 the Spectra Man is part of the anti-pollution league. And so there's the the and it kind of fades as the show goes along a bit, but there's this strong anti-pollution thing, like in say Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Um, but it's always kind of crazy and fun. Whereas here, it starts to get a bit. Um, is again, as I said with the last, you know, the the last episode, really, Glenn, this is the, this is the route. In, instead of trying to find a way to clear the people on the Galactica who we watch for a full season, giving them a home, bringing them here, you're going to stop and do an episode when you're on borrowed time about the dangers of pollution. I well, think you could have maybe done something else. I, I, I think he's foreseeing Captain Planet on this one here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could, he could, and, and like I said when we talked about the last one, I, I do distinctly get the feeling after watching this that maybe Glenn is checked out. Maybe he's just like you know, I love doing Battlestar Galactica. I, I had a vision for this show that they kind of took away from me. They wouldn't let me do the time travel and stuff like that. So now I'm just basically making like the fugitive. But with people from the Galactica, you know, and it's who cares, and, and that's that, that's kind of the half the feeling I got watching these two episodes. It's like Glenn's like, you know, BJ and the Bears doing better, Buck Rogers is doing better, Lobo's doing better, Galactica's just kind of twirling around the toilet right now, um, and it doesn't it doesn't because I got to the end of this, and you know, I I I felt something at the end, like I said with the Mel stuff, but a lot of it's just kind of running around, and Troy and Dylan still aren't doing much for me. And um, just the, the kids feel more like a weight mm. on the show than actually something like charming and fun. They just they just seem like a like you have all this stuff going on. Plus you have this like an albatross around your neck, and it's like a dozen kids. Yes, one of them is baby Irene, but the rest of them are just like ugh. And it's just it it, it just it, and then and then you throw in Colonel Seidel there the whole time too, arguing with the sheriff about. Well, there's no such thing as UFOs, uh, Colonel. Uh, yes, it's, I know. it's a body, body stealers. You know, yeah, so. but yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so it's like I, it's it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. Exactly. And that's basically what they figure. Well, we don't have the budget that we had with the elaborate exactly. beginnings and everything of our original show, but let's try to make do with what we've got, and let's try to tell something to the children here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if this were the the just say no campaign was like the more preachy poo uh, yeah. to go through that. I mean, I mean, it went all as far as do it. They at that time with the '80s, they ended up going as far as doing a cartoon combining every single person giving the ultimate guilt trip on the fucking oh, yes. planet. Yes, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's so. So I mean, it's, it's it's tricky as with the last episode. You know, the 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 episode. I mean, it's it's never boring. That's a good thing. Yeah, about it's it. watchable. That's for it's, damn it's sure. Definitely, it's there's it's... all there's always something happening because there's so many people. And I did love the fact that the deputy, who I thought was going, because a lot of times in these, like the sheriff will be mean, but the deputy will be kind of worse. Mm. Um, in this one, the deputy was actually sort of on the side of, hey, maybe it's a UFO, which I liked. I liked mm. the deputy. 
in it. And the sheriff is great. I mean, there, you know, he's he's a great he's a great actor. And he's fun to watch. But oh, yeah. but it's just, it's just sort of like we've been down this road so many times. And I was really hoping that they're like five episodes away from the end of Battlestar Galactica, where you know they were in that that um, viewing room or whatever it was, hearing the the moon landing and stuff like that. It was exciting and it was full of wonder. And they were breaking into the Cylon base. Five episodes later. We're just doing an episode of a show that any other show on television could do, and it's it's not it's it 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 doesn't have you know the charm of like a Greg Evigan or a Chimp, and it doesn't have sort of the sometimes funny comedy of Lobo or Jack Klugman or well, the the color and excitement and really a lot of good looking people that are in Buck Rogers. This this doesn't have that. It's just kind of yeah. If only BJ and the Bear dealt with that sheriff. So like, yes. oh no, not not the chip again. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> person's a ragged tank, then it's a chip. What the hell is this? Yeah. So yeah, so so it's it's. I mean, we're we're halfway through the show now. There are five five more episodes, and so we know the kids are going to be with us. Although who knows if they're going to be with us for one? You know that that time travel thing ended so quickly, and where'd Robert Reed go? And no one seems interested in coming down onto the Earth anymore. So, so who who knows what we're doing with the show now? Um, I'll be honest. Like I said, if I the previous time, if I wasn't watching this for a podcast and I was just watching this, and I was in a Battlestar Galactica mood, I would probably stop watching this and go back to Battlestar Galactica. That almost reminds me of kind of that's the way that it was with me with Moonlighting, you oh, know. When it goes, and, yeah. And went, once it got to season five, mm-hmm. yes, I only got a couple of episodes, and then they said like. I don't know. I really fourth. I almost threw in the towel. And then thankfully somebody who got added to the show all of a sudden put some more life in it. And that was Brooke Adams on that one. You know, mm -hmm, they said mm -hmm. that she kind of like said, okay, now you give me a reason to watch it. Not only that it left open, probably one of the best moonlighting moments ever with Bruce Willis Mm -hmm. kind of talking to Robert Weber, who played Sybil Shepherd's dad, giving him his intentions, but at the same time saying, "Hear my side of all this, okay? I'm not totally the bad guy, but just know, you know, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I love your daughter." Yeah. I, I, he had this very powerful scene that I said is really well acted, written, and directed. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, "Okay, this just saved the show." Yeah. And what's in him? And Brooke Adams, the addition of her. Mm-hmm. Is now saying, okay, this is back to me saying I want to know what's going on. Despite we're going into the baby route here, yeah. and all these shows are just death. Once they kind of undid that at the beginning of season five of that show, I went, I'm sorry, but I just, I just, it seemed to be kind of get to that point that a show gets where it starts getting yeah. redundant, it gets repetitive, mm-hmm. and you go like, why am I still with the show anymore? Yeah. But you know, it's just, it's kind of a pattern that you see like. If they only would have been given the time with yes. a better budget and saying, let's stretch our legs out to go, go writing instead of taking a recycled script from some other show that maybe just left the air or mm-hmm. left the air years ago, yeah. you know, it kind of went that way. But, you know, it, like I said, but that's not to say, I said, the other side of it is it's watchable. It's, it's, it's definitely watchable. Some things yeah. that you get to crack up at for sure, you mm-hmm. know, that one, you know. And, you know, once again, you see the fly cycles in there, which is... Yes. Sure, I mean, the only thing is they haven't introduced if those fly cycles fire anything. You know, mm, yeah. that's the only thing yeah. I haven't seen. Mm. I mean, maybe maybe we might learn that in a yeah. couple episodes. Maybe sure. not. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah, so. yeah it's it, in in the end, it's um, I just I just really feel like when you like learn the history of say like 
you know, with like the original Battlestar Galactica, where it was going to be a series of two-hour movies, and then all of a sudden it became, uh, you know, hour-long things, and they had to scramble. Or the same thing with the start of Quincy, where it was mystery movies, and then we got make thirteen hour-longs, and they had to scramble. This feels like it was a scramble too, but they didn't get it right. Like Quincy, it, it they got it. From, it went away from the exploration, and it went and it's become basically a, redundation. Is basically yeah, yeah ex- ex- exactly. It's 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 like. You know, it's, it's, it would, I don't know, it would be like if you had a show where, I, I like, I don't even know, like, um, if, if someone was like, um, you know, it, it would be like if you were watching Hogan's Heroes, and you had an episode begin where they announced the war is over, and maybe this episode was like them having to do, the guys in the camp having to do one more bit of shenanigans, mm. To, to yeah. like, stop... The, like, maybe the Nazis are doing one last thing before the soldiers show up, and they have to do one last bit of shenanigans. But then when the episode ends, they're still in the camp as they were. And when the next episode begins, even though we know the war is over, everyone's acting like it's still the same. But we were told the war is over, so something should be developing here. Just like you hear, we were told they were looking for Earth for a season, they found Earth, and now it feels like we're just effing around. Like do something. Do well, something. well, it's. I wonder if uh, Aftermath always had this uh, kind of problem. Yes, so. true. Yeah, you get. You, yeah, you just. You just. You just get a point where the. Um, you, you have to. Yeah, it's. It. It doesn't become tenable to make it like, these. These guys, they're going to be like. You know, they're almost like fugitives with these kids, and we're going to hide them on. No, you. You can't. You brought us to Earth. Now we're at Earth. You have to. You have to be better than you know. You have to be better than that. Yeah, you, you have to. You have to take it there. You can't. You can't say we've arrived at Earth and now we're going to ignore it and act like it's a different show. No spectacle. Just basically, yes. it's like it's like okay, it's chips. we made it to Earth. We got it to Earth. Now what? Now what? Yes, and that's unfortunately the first three episodes didn't feel like that. The first three episodes felt like they were doing something. These last two sort of feel like. What are we doing? Now, the next one may be great. It's called Spaceball. And when Pizza the Hut shows up, I'm going to be laughing. Oh, but, let's be ready for that. It can be so tasty. But <laughs> I, I'm just waiting to see the scene where they're all combing the desert. Have you found anything? I ain't found well, shit. shit. That's that, and that, they say sometimes that's the pick of the week. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you have anything else for this one? I think. I think. I mean, I don't... Like I said, it's... It's watchable, but but I don't know what it's doing, and I don't understand it's, it's, why it's you know doing. What? I guess you could say it's what we call network roids. You know, yeah. it gives you relief, but at the same time, it doesn't last forever. Ex- so. Exactly. I mean, it's it's one thing like like when when BJ and the Bear season three started, and suddenly they had him settle down with the seven lady truckers. That doesn't make sense. That whole season, but the stories are pretty much the same as they were. Uh, I always big... hope with the seven lady trucker uh, season that they would be somewhere, some kind of a mosh pit, or some <laughs> kind of like you know stage diving, you know where they're led to the right place, female driver at the female driver. The, the 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 big thing with that, and I, I said this when I wrote about all the episodes. The big problem with that is, see, so so in the first two seasons, BJ and the Bear, BJ and Bear are pretty much on their own. Occasionally they meet up with people again, like Pogo Lil and the folks at the Country Comfort and Sheriff Lobo, but there are no continuing characters apart from those two. But then at the start of season three, they have him settle down and run a trucking company with seven lady truckers. The problem is this, that now we go from having two 
main characters, one of whom's a chimp, to having 10 or 11 main characters, including the cop, the two cops who are in every episode. Well, the thing that gets me is if you have seven female truckers, why don't you have seven chimps to go with that? That would be fantastic. And the, and the big problem with the show is that the realization that they are not going to have BJ have romances with the seven lady truckers. So that means that every episode has BJ, Bear, the seven lady truckers, the two bad cops, and another lady to have romances with BJ. And it gets so ridiculous after a time because there's so many people and, and eventually they start leaving some of the lady truckers out of episodes and it's like someone didn't think ahead. And uh, that's they, the, they wanted Love Boat Mermaids and instead they get the seven lady it's, truckers. It's exactly. Not only that, but you're leaving BJ. It's a kind of a bit of frenzy here. It's like, oh, why? Oh, why? Uh, yes. Yeah, and it's so. Why so it's of course the second to last letter of the alphabet. Yeah, yeah, and and so, but it's but 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 and the thing with like, like that to me, like that's kind of a was kind of a bad idea. It's not a, the third season of BJ and the Bear isn't bad. It's got a lot of very entertaining episodes in it. Um, but it's just kind of like the fun of the show was that it was this guy with his truck and his chimp traveling the country. Now you've settled them down, and where did you settle them? In L.A. Oh, great. They're, they're well, the same, same place. Money, you know, you're shooting there. It's like if everybody's like, hey, we're going from our town. We're going to go to Hollywood. You know? <laughs> and guess what? Save the money. Yeah. So, so, but, but, and with Galactica 1980, just the the way it's so strongly introduced the concept of we're at Earth, and now we're halfway into the series, and like I said, we're just screwing around. So, do you have? We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with Earth. With Earth. With Earth. We don't know what to do with Earth. With Earth. With Earth. Yeah. So, do you have? Uh, I have nothing else? else new on this one. This was pretty much like. It did what it did, which was it serviced its part two, mm-hmm. but where it goes from now. Don't know. We'll see. So, so, uh, so, sir, where can we find you online? What have you been up to? Where are you now? Are you trapped somewhere? Do you need assistance? Have you drank polluted water? Oh, no, no. Well, if it's polluted water, I have no idea of it. And I'm still here, so it must be pretty good. Mm. You know, but, in th- but in that case, you know, the adventures lead, you know, like I said, you know, the this year has been kind of like my uh, chase in the film. Not oh. all film, but certain you know titles are worth me going to a theater for, whether it's 35, 70, or 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can you can learn a lot about that uh, on uh, www.facebook.com slash Captain Bly. You can also find out some of my further adventures or other things I like to add on to on Instagram and Twitter and uh, a letterbox under the name Captain Bly 76 So you can find me uh, over there, even if you want to just drop a line said that you listen to the podcast or um, just say hi, you know, mm-hmm. more than welcome. And uh, that's where you'll be finding uh, where, what I'm up to uh, when it gets updated or not. So, yeah. And thank you again, as always. And uh, next up, we are going to go to a little bit of this.
Gemini Man, episode 10, the penultimate episode of Gemini Man. Known on the French box set is Grand Prix. This episode is Buffalo Bill Rides Again, directed by Don McDougall, written by Frank Telford. And again, an episode that is not uh, one that aired on uh, on the network. This is, what, the... um fifth episode now of 10 that hasn't aired on the network which is kind of nutty but this network did air however and I, I'm going to read you my um, my review from uh, some Polish American Guy Reviews things and then I'll give you a little bit of extra and um, well, we're getting near the end of Gemini man I'm going to miss I'm going to miss Sam but anyways here's the review an opening note an edited version of this episode constitutes the second half of the TV movie Riding with Death I believe it's a TV movie. I say that this isn't in the review. I believe it's a TV movie. It may have been. It may have been something that went direct to video because the Voyagers into the Unknown, um, connecting of two episodes of Voyagers that Amy the Conqueror and I talked about a long time ago. That was actually a VHS release. So this may have been a VHS release too. It's a little little tough to tell. But anyway. Um, writing with death it's tenuously linked with the episode smithereens and it's easy to mock because of that the way the two episodes are joined together is sloppy and lackadaisical on its own however buffalo bill rides again is an entertaining and as exciting as it's bill on its own however buffalo bill rides again is as entertaining and as exciting as its bill related predecessor this one gives us more bill some bill background it gives bill a girlfriend it gives bill some new songs with its instrumentation this time and not just a cappella cb singing it also gives leonard a nemesis in the elusive bob denby a second note bob denby is called elusive in a riding with death audio link I didn't hear anyone call him elusive in the actual episode. And that's become a joke associated with this episode and it's airing on Mystery Science Theater 3000. The elusive Robert Denby is amusing because Denby is featured heavily throughout the episode. It takes place at a racetrack where Denby has his own trailer. Leonard had a restraining order placed against him, so Denby isn't really elusive. He's simply unavailable to Leonard via court order. It does make for a chuckle. The actual episode, outside of Riding with Death, works better without that addition to Denby's resume. Leonard is after Robert Denby. Denby has smuggled a highly volatile explosive, deuterium, into the U.S. Unfortunately, Leonard does have that restraining order against him, and an employee from Intersect appear, uh, appears often to remind him of that. Very often. Why isn't Abby doing this? The gentleman who's in this episode is handsome and charming in his own way, but he's no Abby. Regardless, Leonard sends Sam Casey to a local racetrack where Denby is trying out a new car. Sam meets up with his trucking pal, Buffalo Bill, who is on a pit crew. Sam gets a job there. Bill has a girlfriend named Cupcake. Government stuff is being sabotaged with Deutrium. Tension builds when Bill is put in charge of driving the next race, and we learn that Deutrium was built into the frame of the car. This might not go well. Our heroes could end up in smithereens. The plot here, ostensibly, is about Denby and the Deutrium. I keep wanting to say Duralinium. That's a... It's a Doctor Who mineral, isn't it, I think? The plot here ostensibly is about Denby and the Deutrium. But really it's about Sam and Bill rekindling their friendship and becoming sweet pals. They hang out, they brawl, and in this episode Bill learns that Sam works for Intersect, but Bill does not learn about Sam's invisibility. That would have been in their third meeting, no doubt. That would have been the episode where we learn that Bill can stretch himself like Mr. Fantastic. 
in my dreams. By the end of Buffalo Bill Rides Again, Bill is singing a song to Sam at the local bar and grill, and it's very cool. Sam looks a little embarrassed, but he clearly likes Bill as a pal. Maybe the fourth episode would have further explored their relationship. We'll never know. One of the things I noticed when I got near the end of season one of BJ and the Bear is that, unless the show goes crazy and wacky, one can run out of beautiful things to say. Sam saves the day again. It's good to see Bill back. There are a few fist fights. There's a great sequence with Sam and Bill trying to get the soon-to-be exploding car away from the public. The whole adventure is plotted decently, and all the way around it fulfills its remit. 50 minutes of entertainment. Gemini Man, after a movie in 10 episodes, has not fallen off the good time wagon. There's probably a reason for that. In the 1970s, nobody made entertaining, sometimes thrilling television, as well as the people who made 1970s television. If it wasn't in the, in the mood for, doesn't like, can't catch the groove of this type of TV, then you'll be forever confused as to why a show like Gemini Man would be worth your time in 2015 or 2023 or beyond. If you can't cultivate an enjoyment for it, that's cool. But if you want to try a fun one, an unsung one, this show is that one. Buffalo Bill Rides Again tells the story of a hick and an invisible man saving the free world from an elusive man with deuterium. The only drawback I can see this episode is no Abby. Zero. She does appear in the Riding with Death version, however. The rest of the episode, though, is primo. I, I stand by what I say, but it's really more about Sam and Buffalo Bill. So, early on when Buffalo Bill and Sam meet, there's a slightly awkward s- sequence where we get about two minutes of flashbacks from Smithereens. Where, um, and there's a moment where uh, uh, um, uh, Buffalo Bill's girlfriend, who's, who's nicknamed Cupcake, because she represents like a cupcake, kind of like hostess cupcake. She represents something cupcake-related at the, um, at the uh, racetrack or something or other. And there's a moment where um, uh, uh, she says, Who is this guy? And says, well, Sam helped me out when I was in a real jam. And then the camera kind of zooms in on Buffalo Bill. It maybe attracts it, I forget. But it's slightly awkward. And then we get, a, we get a scene, and then and then Sam does the same thing, and he gets a scene. And then we get at least three occasions? Yes. One before the big fight, one before Bill gets mad at Sam, and one in the end. We get occasions where there's about like a minute or so of songs. That, that Bill sings and, and to be honest I'm not terribly enamored I, I kind of preferred the I kind of preferred the songs when he was just singing them into the CB I, radio I, I'm on there I'm on there I don't care if I forget what he says but you know but this one he actually sings so he's strumming a guitar there's a piano I think there's some drums and and the songs are fine but they're not really um, for me his song about cupcake I actually found myself looking away from the screen a bit because I was slightly like, I, oh gosh, I hope no one's watching me <laughs> listening to this silly song about Cupcake. And then when he does sing the song to Sam, he gets up like real close to him and says, tells him how much he likes him. That's what made me think, hmm, maybe this will develop into something interesting as the show goes along. But, uh, it, but, but it's interesting because you put those together, you know, it's like a, you know, on, well, on on the DVD, obviously it's it's region two, as I've said before. So the episode's forty seven minutes, so probably would be closer to fifty or so on a, on a region region one DVD. Uh, but but that's forty seven minutes, and five of that is sort of padding with flashbacks to previous episodes and songs. Unless the point of the episode is the two of them being together, so reminding us of it is important. And the songs, amateur night songs that he sings at that local bar 
are important also. So filler or not, it doesn't really matter in the end. It's all part of the um, grand tapestry of the episode. I mean, one might call the uh, the brawl, you know, where, where Sam uses his invisibility to help Buffalo Bill beat up two big guys. One might call that filler too, you know, and, and so... You know, one might call all the, the repeated sequences of talking about Robert Denby with uh, Leonard and that one guy. That might be filler, too. I don't know. You know, um, maybe the whole thing's filler. I don't know. But anyways, it's it's an entertaining episode, and, and it goes along nicely. It's nice to see Bill back. And they do that thing where the first time we see Bill and Smithereens, they're in the middle of something. They're in the middle of a big, like, we got to get this truck from here to here, and he happens to pass pass Bill along the way and he helps Bill and Bill helps him and then Bill goes on his way. You don't expect to see him again. That's not something that would happen generally in a 1970s and so soon. That's one of the things that makes the flashback slightly weird is that, is that we just saw Bill nine episodes ago. Now the weird thing of course is that the episode we're watching never aired on the network. So they're airing a flashback to the from episode 10 back to episode 1 is, is possibly... I guess it, it it makes sense, but at the same time, the fact that it never got shown means it's sort of like a moot point at the end of the day. But in, in a modern-day show that had, say, 10 or 11 episodes, you would expect to see a character like Bill back, sort of like the first person that our character meets kind of in the first regular episode reappearing later on. You'd expect sort of that to happen, but you don't expect that to happen in a show from the 70s. Um, Bill might appear in the next season. He might appear late in the season. But to have him appear nine episodes later is actually kind of cool and kind of um, um, makes one think that he's going to be a semi-regular character, which I like. And it sort of, you know, expands the universe. To, I mean, like, my, my worry in what the last few episodes was that the focus was less on Sam and Intersect than it happened. Now, of course, Abby's not in this. I think... I think the actress who plays Abby, she's gone by this point. Like I mentioned before, she married a studio exec and as far as I and uh, retired from acting. So she's alive and well and, um, you know, doing better than I ever have. So um, so that's, I, I don't know that that is why Abby's gone. I mean, it looks like maybe they're t- going in another direction and they don't have a use for Abby. But I mentioned in the review that they bring in that guy who could have taken Abby's role. I'm like, Leonard, why are you doing this? And if it had been Abby, then we would have listened. Whereas the guy who keeps coming at Leonard just kind of annoys Leonard and slightly annoys us. And Leonard does some good faces and kind of puffing up himself to, stop talking, you're, you're my hair shirt. And then when he goes to talk to Denby and all this, that, and the other, and as I said, the the riding with death. And I'm going to discuss riding with death separately. I think in a mini sode, um, just because it is technically a uh, it it was either a VHS release or a TV movie, so it's not a regular episode. It'll be mini sode, but I will talk about riding with death, which I have only seen in the context of the MST episode, which which is tricky because one of the things about it in the MST episode is that it is coherent, but it it, it is that one of the things about it in the MST episode is that it is incoherent but the thing about it like the the Voyager's the unknown is about 90 minutes and if they're using most of the and and they they add some extra footage and if they you know I I imagine riding with death was probably 90 minutes but in a 92 minute episode of Mr. Science Theater 3000 they have to cut what at least 10 12 or more minutes out of it so and and MST to do that on more than one occasion where they would edit an episode for length 
so they could fit it in their show and then made fun of the show, a movie for not making sense. And I think Riding with Death could be one of those. I, I have a feeling if we sat down and watched the entirety, it would make a little more sense than what we're seeing in the MST episode. Anyway, regardless, uh, what, what else in the episode? Yeah, as I said, I like it quite a bit. Um, the scenes with Leonard and Deb, Denby are, um, are, are fine. Um, uh, the, the fact that Leonard is so con- seems so confused by the fact that, um, uh, Denby calls uh, uh, Leonard Sherlock Holmes and himself his Mor- uh, Leonard's Moriarty, and the way sort of um, Leonard responds to that, he doesn't seem to have any concept of who Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty is. Listen to the way he says like Sherlock and Moriarty. He just sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking about, which is amusing uh, because um, you know obviously he's then trying to use Denby's terminology against him, but it ends up seeming a little weird. Yeah, it's too bad that Buffalo Bill has a girlfriend like Cupcake who's just using him in the end. But it's great to see. It's it's great the scenes with the, uh, with with Bill and and Sam together are great. And the moment when Sam realizes that um that they're going to uh drug uh but basically here's here's what's happening that's interesting that you can't quite, that you really have to kind of focus on I think in the episode is that the premise of it is this. And I said kind of was the premise of it is this. They took this car, the Baxter Special, to um, Baxter Electronics, to Berlin to race. And and Bill says that a bunch of gearheads got a hold of it. They don't know in East or West Berlin for a few hours. And now they believe that the deuterium, which is this very volatile element, the most volatile element, according to that one egghead, um, they have put the deuterium in they've hidden it within like the frame of the car the race car and they are sort of taking bits of it out and putting it into some of the electronics that Baxter Electronics is using and they use it via a transmitter to blow up a plane um uh, that and Baxter Electronics but it but um and they they do that to test the deuterium and what's going to happen is they're the they're going to have the the U.S. the Air Force has already ordered two hundred of these planes, and um, Baxter Electronics is going to uh, I, I I'm guessing they're going to put maybe some deuterium in these planes to sort of have them blow up so they can build more of them or something like that or just um, I mean that's sort of the the thing I got and 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 i th- i think what what's going to happen yeah the, and 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 when like one of them blows up or the air force doesn't want them or something like that what they're going to do is um uh sell them to other countries so so it's basically they're going to uh make out the yeah these planes to be sort of incompetent let me do this again so what's happening to the plot is is i don't know i find it slightly confusing but it's basically they have this deuterium and they took the this car, the Baxter Special, to Berlin to race. And while it was there, they had a bunch of gearheads kind of put deuterium, hide deuterium within the frame of the car. And they used some deuterium. And Baxter Electronics is providing electronics for these planes that the Air Force has just ordered like 200 of. And they put this deuterium into par, uh, one of the electronic bits in the plane. And using a transmitter, they blow up the plane. And uh, just to show that it can be done, and it's at this. I, I get slightly confused at this point. So now they, so it looks like they're going to be sabotaging the plane, and I guess they are. 
And I think what is going to happen, although I'm a little unsure actually from watching the episode, is they are going to... The Air Force has already ordered the planes. They're going to put Baxter's electronics in it. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to sabotage some of them so that the government sort of abandons the plane and then Baxter Electronics can get a hold of the plane and sell them to the highest bidders because the plane really does work. They're just blowing them up, sabotaging them. I think that's what they're doing. That could be wrong because they their 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 talk is not to they sabotage one of the planes, but they say that's not going to stop the Air Force. They've already bought the planes. So forgive me, I, I find it's like so they've already bought the planes. So the Air Force is going to get the planes and then they'll sabotage them using the deuterium. So then um, then when the Air Force doesn't want them, they will sell Baxter Electronics and all of them will sell the planes to the highest bidder. I think that's what they're doing. And what happens in the actual episode is um, uh, Leonard is getting a little too close to basically realizing that there's deuterium hidden somewhere there. Sam finds out it's hidden in the car. And then they they basically get a sponsor can have one of the other sponsor's cars examined to make sure there's no chicanery going on in the car, but they have to place in the finals. And so what's going to happen is the guy from Baxter Electronics and, and um, the elusive Robert Denby will have Buffalo Bill ride the car with the deuterium in it, drug Bill and crash the car. Once they crash the car and the car is no longer drivable, then the sponsor won't be able to ask for the car to be examined because it's wrecked. And so they'll be able to, so Baxters will be able to take the car and dispose, I put that in quotes, of it, but keep all the deuterium. And so it'll be like, oh yeah, that car was destroyed. No one will think any more of it, but they'll take the deuterium out of it. And of course, Sam, one, they want to find the deuterium to catch Denby. So that means they can't crash the car because if the car gets crashed, one, Bill will get killed. And two, um, they can take the, there, there's no way that they can get, get access to the car, the wreck of the car. And so the ending is Sam basically saves Bill and brings the car back into um, port, the port, um, after it, I believe it has uh, qualified. So I think, I could be wrong on that. Um, and so it looks like it's going to get the inspection, or maybe it's not. It's actually, the more I talk about it, the more the episode doesn't make sense. The more the episode doesn't make sense. Uh, so so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna crash the car, so there'll be no inspection, and they'll get the vehicle out of there. They'll get the wreckage out of there, and they'll have the deuterium. But then Sam brings the car in without crashing it, and now they're worried that the car still exists and the deuterium's still there. I I I actually don't know whether or not the car pl- yeah like the car places or not. Um, but then what happens is Denby is going to blow up the car. And so he goes to his remote location with his transmitter. He's going to blow up the car. And at that point, Sam and um, Buffalo have to get the car out of there. They get the car to a, a place in the middle of nowhere. The car blows up safely. And they're able to triangulate where Denby has the transmitter. And they catch him. And they find that the transmitter was in the car. And this, that, and the other. So that, I think, makes sense. I don't know. I feel like I should say that again. 
Um, but but it does it is it is it's slightly overcomplicated. It's one of those episodes where the more you think about it, and it doesn't make it it so, some somehow doesn't make complete sense. The more you think about it, the less it kind of makes sense. They've hidden the Dutrium in the car, and now they're gonna crash the car so they can take the wreckage away without anyone looking at the wreckage and they have the Dutrium, but then they're going to blow up the car when they think someone might find the Dutrium in it. That's more or less what goes on. So I'll stop talking because the episode really at the end of the day is about Sam and Bill. And like when, when Bill thinks that Sam is trying to hog his glory by riding the race, by riding in the race the next day, you dumb jerk. And then, and then Bill punches him and, and, and Cupcake is just keeping it, um, revved up and and but then those those guys attack sam a bunch of guys attack sam in in the parking lot and bill joins them and and then that's when sam tells bill what's going on and it's a it's a fun episode it's a it's a fun episode it's a well done episode um yes the plotting could be clearer but at the end of the day all you need to know is that they save everyone from getting blown up by the car and Bill and Sam are friends and Cupcake gets arrested as does Robert Denby and it all ends and Abby's not there, that's too bad. But it's a good 10th episode and again, I would have loved to have seen Bill continue. Um, give me a moment, I'm going to lean back and think, is there anything else I want to say about this one? I will say it does have a slightly weird feeling to me where I feel like Sam has really gone out of town to this racetrack and everything but he hasn't because he what you know he's at the racetrack at one point and then he's back in the intersect offices talking to leonard and that scientist guy so there's that and i do like the fight scene where in the parking lot because there's a great moment when bill goes over the top of the cars and kind of like knocks a guy back into a van as sam's outside fighting this guy and then a moment later bill is knocked and comes flying out of the van almost like he's on like a rope and they yank him back out of the van that's very funny um and i do like that sam is worried that his teeth are have gotten loose after the fight you don't normally see stuff like that i think it's a good time i think it's a fun episode and um i'm gonna leave this here and we are going to go on um, to a bit of this. November 13th, 1978. Season 2, Episode 1 of Lucan Nightmare. Written by Larry Alexander and Sidney Ellis. Directed by George Stanford Brown. In this one, Lucan uh, has a list that uh, his doctor friend, um, who suddenly I'm, I'm blanking on his name, the John Randolph character, uh, gave him some uh, some names for him to go uh, search for. And um, but it's it's a bit weird. Doctor Hoagland, Doctor Hoagland gave him some names to search for. But it's a bit weird because um, uh, um, Lucan passes out, winds up in a hospital in the vicinity of where he wants to find someone, a Doctor Ty Walker. And something weird happens. If you watch the opening credits, and I didn't play them for you here, something strange happened to Lucan in between season one and season two. You remember how he was this guy who was out looking for his parents after being raised by wolves, and they sent this sort of not-quite-bounty-hunter kind of guy to bring him back to university, and he keeps one step ahead of him? Well, suddenly, um, that's not the premise of the show anymore. The premise of the show now is that... Um, 
He was the wolf boy, but he seemed to be doing just fine and working alongside Dr. Hoagland at the university when he caught two people stealing stuff and, and um, stealing drugs uh, from the pharmaceutical section. And, and uh, one guy dies in a fire and another guy escapes. And our bounty hunter guy is now a cop who is after Lucan, who goes fugitive and is on the run. So in this episode, Lucan goes to this hospital to find Dr. Ty Walker, who was at the school when the fire occurred and Lucan is trying to clear his name. Is this good? Is this bad? Well, Amanda and I are going to talk about it a lot. And let me throw out my fake Ellery Queen um, little sting for you and we're on the other side of this. Wonk, wonk. Nightmare. Season 2, Episode 1 of Lucan. Finally! We're on Season 2 of Lucan, everybody. Hooray! And I have with me here the great, the wonderful, the always exhilarating Amanda Reyes. Amanda, how are you? Always exhilarating? Yes. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. I, you and I recognize this as season two, but IMDb thinks it's all one season. Oh, horse feathers. What I'll, do we think I'll bleep that, that out. I'll bleep that out. Yeah, this is a wholesome show. <laughs> No, no, no. It's a, it's this is definitely the second season. This is um this is uh, this is the next season. This is September. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is... I don't know how else to word that, right? It's November actually. Yeah, was it November? Okay, yeah. So so yeah, the last episode was what I think April or May and this it is It was this... March. March. Okay, so do this Do your is... do your research. I oh, I knew it was the next season. Yeah, I had nothing I, to argue did. about. You did to your credit. <laughs> to your but, credit. But but this is this is obviously the next season because that the the first seven episodes there they would have made it a batch and this one and the next one and I presume the last two have a different um, different set of um, marching orders than the first seven and the TV movie, uh, which is going to be something we talk about whether or not we like the the new Lucan. Now Lucan looks the same. He still loves wolves. He loves the outdoors. He loves his backpack. But things have changed. So I guess first off, I guess first off, let's do. Um, now I did. I did. I've already mentioned in the plot breakdown what the change is. Everyone, we've changed from. I'm looking for. We've changed from a sort of. Um, I, sort sort of. Uh, I'm 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 on the road looking for my parents, and someone is looking for me to bring me back to the fugitive. Amanda, what are your thoughts first? First on the change, the change. Tell me about the change, and then, um, and then the episode. Okay, so uh, the first time I watched this, this felt like a huge change, and I can only imagine what the diehard fans, and I know that they had a small but dedicated fan base uh, for the show, were thinking when they ended. Now, remind me what the last episode was of last season, because I've already forgotten oh, now. Oh, gosh. Um, it's not well, the it Pamela was Franklin Reed, one. wasn't it? Yes. Okay, so so it ended the way most of the Lucans had been prior to this new season, with the exception of the one with Stan Shaw, where it's one push punch Wolfson, which mm. wasn't so much about, like, families as it was about this guy. And, and it was a fairly consistent show. And then here we go. And it's got this weird beginning with, like, Dr. Hoagland and Lucan working on something together. And I'm like, when did they get reunited? And why is Lucan just, like, freely walking around Dr. Hoagland's office yeah. without like Prentice there? Yeah, like something, you know, like Yeah, answer. like, it's weird. Like, I, like, they just erased that he was – well, I, he makes some throwaway line about it, I think, in the episode. Like, mm-hmm. they said something and I could go, but now I'm being – 
looked at for murder or whatever. And so, and so first of all, it, it was jarring because I wasn't expecting to see that. And then it goes into like this weird, although I kind of like the way they shot the scene where he catches the two guys it's, stealing it's, drugs. It's pretty nicely shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the, where the flashlight goes off and you can't see their faces. You mm. can only see their builds. And, and I knew who the bad guy was and we'll talk about that. What? Yeah. I know all about James Carroll Jordan <laughs> and I will tell you about him when we get to him. Oh boy. And, and so, um, like, it's just, it's kind of jarring. And then, but then when you, I sink into it and it's like, well, it's got some Lucanisms in it, but this whole thing about the murder mm-hmm. and then, the, and then another murder at the end, like he, now he's wanted for like a double murder. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I don't, I, I don't like this at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is too intense. And I feel like it's also taking away from the heart of the show, which is about this family building yeah. and about Lucan's parents. And, and I mean, the show is, it had some really great, we talked about some of the great stunts and mm-hmm. shots in the show, but at its heart, that's not what it's about. That's just like the icing on the cake. And yeah. so I was like, oh, God, I'm enraged. And then, um, but then when I watched it the second time, I still don't like the direction they went in. I think it was bad. But I think overall the episode itself is coherent and it's entertaining enough, mm-hmm. and I like it. Um and it does feature Claudia Jennings, which I'd forgotten she was even on the yes. and This was one of the very last things she did. And I think it's ironic that Lucan is a kid's show, essentially. And she, now I don't, I've never actually seen this in writing, but supposedly she got turned down for replacing Kate Jackson on Charlie's Angels because she was too saucy because she was a playmate. Yeah. And and yet here she shows up on this kid's show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she's perfectly suitable for it. She's fantastic. She... Yeah, and so like it made me mad that she wasn't an angel because I think we're all in agreement that that show would still be on the air. Yes, it would if be. They, yes, if they had cast her, and she'd and be alive and well. She would be with us. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that like I, I can't look at Claudia Jennings without a being completely haunted by her beauty because it's mm-hmm. just unlike any woman I've ever seen, and then be just being haunted by her the fact that she died so young and if, I don't yeah. know if people are not familiar with her that are listening but she died very shortly after this like I think in 1979 um, in a car accident which was her fault I think she fell asleep at the wheel in her little beetle I have a beetle too we're very much alike <laughs> Claudia and I and, um, and she unfortunately um, did not survive the accident and and she was 29 and it just feels like such a waste to yeah. me of talent and beauty and and just everything. She was everything because she played these really amazing dynamic characters in like the B movie world, and she was kind of making her way into episodics, and and she was growing a lot as an actress. And um and I feel like if she was still with us, she'd be this extraordinary like superstar, you mm-hmm. know. And so that's that part. So it's hard for me to watch her in anything. But I forgot she was in this, and so I was pleasantly surprised to see her again. And um, and she's probably the strongest part of this episode. Uh, yeah. I but I see. didn't. I think you liked it less than me, but I will say, kind of knowing what I was going into made it a little easier to swallow, mm-hmm. and I feel like there were things about this episode that I really did like. Okay. Yeah, I was, I, I actually, it was weird, I, I did not know um, Claudia Jennings was in this, and about, for the first time, I, about two weeks ago, I watched the uh, Great Texas Dynamite Chase. Oh, of course. Which is a great, a lot of fun, it, it it's, I think it's almost a really great film, but it's not, it, it meanders a bit too much. Not in a bad way, but it's just like there are moments when I was watching, I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then there were a few scenes where I was like, well, we can get back to the best thing ever now. 
And, um, and, and actually, <laughs> the reason it's not on Holy Rollers. Yeah, 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 and 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 um, and actually, the reason why I watched it because I just watched Kentucky Fried Movie, and the in the closing sequence of Kentucky Fried Movie, where the couple fool around on the couch and the newscasters can see them, um, the gal who is on the couch plays the sister, I believe, of Claudia Jennings' character in that movie. Oh. And I didn't realize that. Oh, oh, I, oh I, is that the girl from Tourist Trap? I don't know. I'd have I think to, it is. I can't think of her name now. Blonde. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, she was in Tourist Trap. She's oh. in the Great Texas Dynamite. She married that guy that plays her love interest in the movie. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and they're still I, married. Yeah, I, I was, because I got to the end of the movie, and I, I thought, I, I saw her, I, I, I thought, I, what movie do I know her from? Well, it wasn't The Great Texas Dynamite Chase, because that was the first time I watched it. But that was fun to see her in that. And I actually, looking here, the last movie Claudia Jennings in was was Fast Company, the David Cronenberg. Yes, oh, yeah, wow. but the last thing I think she did was uh, 240 Robert. 240 Robert, yeah, an episode 240 Yeah, which Robert. I've yeah. seen, because I think I've seen almost everything she's done. yeah. I'm a complete. Well, I didn't know 240 Robert was on for so long. I know occasionally people from 240 Robert would show up on Battle of the Network Stars. And I used to think, what the hell is 240 Robert? Yeah, I think it ran like two seasons. It was two seasons, 79, 81. It was cool because Joanna Cassidy played a female chopper pilot. And that was probably like the first time I can think of seeing that. Mm. And she was really cool on it. And of course, it was very early Mark Harmon. Yeah. I think Claudia yes. Jennings is literally in like maybe two scenes in my memory. She doesn't have a very substantial part, not like in this. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. She she's great in this. And the moment I saw her name in the credits, I thought, well, no matter what we do in this episode, I think I'll enjoy portions of it at least. And that's kind of how I did enjoy. Because what happens is when I when I do the shows on here, uh, and I've got like two or three episodes to watch at once, I generally skip the opening credits. That's how I kind of missed, for example, on Galactica 1980, half the episodes of Galactica 1980 on the Blu-ray say Battlestar Galactica on them, which I, <laughs> which I think means they're syndicated versions, or they just gave up on the title Galactica 1980 and just started putting Battlestar Galactica. I don't know. But the thing was, I missed the first time that happened, and Chris said, hey, did you notice it said that? And I was like, no, and I checked it. So when Luke and when the credits started, I'm not a huge fan of the the opening credits. I'm not a huge fan of seeing the kid get captured again. You know, oh, I love into... the opening credits. Doom, 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 doom. I, 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 we are where we are now. I don't, I don't really. I'm. I, I, I usually skip over it. So the first time I watch this, I skipped over it. And when I'm watching Lucan in the bed struggling, and he's having these dreams, and he's with uh, the doc, and and he's in the laboratory that's on fire, I'm thinking. What's going on here? And gradually I learned that what, the moment you see Prentice and he's no longer whatever it was he was, bounty hunter or whatever, yeah. now, and now he's a cop. I yeah. Thought, What's going on here? And not only is he a cop, but from that scene, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, the scene with the dying burnt guy yeah, who yeah. accuses Lucan, he is apparently a terrible cop. Um, but, uh, but, the, and I thought, what is going on? I know you had mentioned some time ago that, oh, the second season, they sort of revamped the premise. Yeah. Now I'll be honest. I mean, we're going to talk about the rest of these, but like, um, I feel like at least brother Wolf goes back to the origins. Yes. Of but yeah, this was totally jarring for me. And I was just like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Well, and I know it was just like fear. Mm-hmm. It was like Zagor. 
our beloved creator. Zagor, change concept. (laughs) Make like fugitive. Speak with Roy Huggins. The beloved uh, creator of the show, Michael Zagor, I'm sure that they were told, whoever was overseeing the show at the time, whether it was Zagor or one of his minions, that like... Zagor and his minions. (laughs) Yeah, you know that's how it was, in like the pit of hell. And and the (laughs) network executive comes over and he's like, guess what? We're going to cancel your show unless you up like the sex factor or the violence factor or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, and get your audience. And then then Zagor was like, ah, okay, double murder. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? And now it's really like the fugitive and it's like, mm. yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think that's all it came down to. It came down to just the fear of the show getting canceled. So they thought they they would like mess around with stuff. But like, mm. it's so hard to say because I wasn't there when the show was originally airing and it, I don't think it did very well in the ratings. So I understand. But like, I kind of like, if it's not doing well in the ratings, then just let the ship go down in the most beautiful way you can, yes. you know? Yeah, and and I feel like this episode doesn't do that. And the fact that they on, there are only four episodes looks to me like they didn't even try to give it yeah. a chance. You would have thought that if if we're like if we're bring it back, we're gonna give you thirteen or at least another seven. Something, yeah. Yeah, four it, just seems weird to me. It just it just maybe there's some unaired episodes that have never been talked about. I mean. I I'd know. like to say there are, but since what is it like Warner Archive or whoever it was released oh, yeah, the set, so. usually everything's on there. Yeah, and also I guess they're, this, by now they're, I'm sure Kevin Brophy or somebody associated with the show would have said something. I mean, it's been 50 years or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah it, it isn't like co-ed fever or something where we're all waiting for the other episodes. To oh show God, up. I know. Come but on, like, I'm even just trying to see the first episode of co-ed. Yeah, that's that's difficult. Or if you ever find it, you come back on here and we'll do a one-off talking will, about co-ed. I will fever. tell you, co-ed fever based on the opening credits is using the same uh, set as the first season of Facts of Life. What? It's the exact same set. You can match them up, and I have. Um, maybe so, that's why I got kicked off the air. Mrs. Garrett Blair went on there and up. said, we want this. Blair's like, forget it. <laughs> this is our set. This, this is it. This is what we want. We're bringing in our friend from Lucan, Zagor. Yeah, and then, and then Tootie says, I've got another one of my brilliant... Oh, no, that was Blair, wasn't it? What did, uh, what did Tootie say? Oh, you're going to be in trouble? Sorry. I really blew that. I'm supposed to be like the ultimate Facts of Life fan. And it occurs to me I don't have a Facts of Life t-shirt, which is really or a Facts of Life podcast. No, I love that show. But like, but like, you know, it breaks my heart. Yeah. To to because this show is like so beautiful and perfect in so many ways, and and then they just come in and they they do this to me. And and it's it, it's tricky too because the episode really doesn't. There's nothing about the episode that. Apart from a couple moments where his eyes glow, yeah. there's nothing about the episode that needs him to be a wolf boy. You know, yeah. when, when he's, you know, he we when we see him in the beginning and he's, you know, he's like passing out, your first, if, if you didn't know the show and you missed the opening credits, you think, oh, this is just like, you know, I was going to say Hank Kimball, but you know, Richard Kimball. Maybe he's like Hank Kimball too. Maybe I don't a little know. like. Or maybe Hank he's Kimble. not like Hank Kimball. Maybe he's like. Well, maybe he's not like that. See, that was me doing a little Hank Kimball. Um, but maybe he's like. You know, I wonder if people would have seen that and gone, "Oh, he's like Richard Kimball. He's 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 been hiding out in the woods and now he's out of energy and they brought him into the hospital. No, he's a wolf boy. What's happened to him? Why is he out of energy? Why isn't he able to hunt or anything anymore? You know, and but it's it's weird because, like I said, that you watch the episode and you think, okay, they're giving us a new format. I don't, I honestly don't like it, but we're saddled with it. But they don't use the. Fa- I mean, even when they like when Claudia Jennings hides him away in the house, it's not like 
there's nothing wolfy that goes on. It's just he's there. The next time we see him, he's like asleep on a. He jumps through a I window. Don't, I don't even understand the like. I understand him telling her to call the police mm-hmm. because the doctor that that guy that I'm going to talk about in a minute was <laughs> going to be there. But like, he just pulls up the blanket, and I'm like, did yeah. you even consider this guy might have a gun? Yeah. Like this guy's violent. Mm-hmm. This guy's scary, and you know he is. And like, and like, you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna pull up the blanket and act like I'm sick. And I'm like, the cover's been blown already. Yeah. And, and you know, I didn't understand like, like some of the set piecing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then there, there are occasional moments too where, um, like, it's it's almost like they kind of, for because this is directed by George Stafford Brown, who directed a bunch of things, and who I know as being the guy who the safe falls on him at the beginning of one of the Police Squad episodes. Oh. He, He's one of the um, special guest star, George Stanford Brown. And you see him and he's a cop. And then he looks up and a safe falls on him and kills You know, like Lauren Green. And they roll him out of the car kind of thing, you know, at the beginning of the police squad. Yeah. Um, and, he, and his direction in some of this is, is quite good. But then in some of it, it's a little weird like that. The scene where Lucan jumps through the window, um, they should have done a second take of that, put in another window, <laughs> because it's in slow-mo, but one of the things with slow-mo sometimes is, like, if the lighting isn't right, and if it's not right, with each frame you get, there's a flash. And sometimes you can see, if you see, like, a documentary where they do something, sometimes just sort of, like, emphasize that it's in slow-mo. You might, you, you, you'll know this when you see it, like, because he what? jumps through the window in slow-mo, and it's like... It's it's flickering and flashing, and it's like it shouldn't be doing that. He should just why, be going in slow mo. Why didn't he just go do, move really slowly like Lena Romay in that Jess Franco movie? Where remember that? It's one of those women in prison movies where there's like a flashback scene, and Jess Franco, I guess, didn't know how to do slow motion or couldn't. Oh yes, which one is that? And he's like, it's it's like women's prison massacre or it's, women yeah, yes, in a prison. Yeah. Ninety nine women or, or one of those. Yeah. One of those movies. I can't think. It's not women prison massacre. I think that's a. That's Matai. Yeah, that's a Emmanuel movie, but like, yes, um, yes. but like, uh, it's got a title like that, and like, like, they all just she just she's nude mm-hmm. and she's moving really slow, and and she's laughing <laughs> because she feels ridiculous because she's yeah. nude and being forced to do this. Yeah, and it's um, and I think Jess Franco's in that scene. I think he's trying to molest her or rape her or something awful. That's, that's her and Jess, she's like. Yeah. Like also, and it's it's fantastic. Now this isn't it. Luke can jump through the window isn't as interesting as that, but it it, it is just a bit of a weird moment where it's like mm, they should have reshot that. And then there's the weird scene where he's fighting the bad guy on apparently on a cliff, but it's oh. a little tough to tell <laughs> because you never actually see the edge of the cliff, the raging water, and the actors in the same shot. They but do then, one of those like when he falls, it's hilarious because that was just some really bad footing on his part. It, it's just it's just like yeah, he he like he knows he's near the edge. He like stumbles a bit. He 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 writes himself, and then all of a sudden he does that kind of whoa. <laughs> he just drops away, and because clearly the spot where the fight is happening and the raging waters are nowhere near one another, it ju- it cuts to Luke and he peers over, and then we just see the water f- flowing downstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, ugh, that was not terribly... Although the idea good. of that was really disturbing to me because he just disappeared in the yes, water. Where is you know? yeah. And I guess we don't know that he's really dead. So That's true. I guess technically if the show had been... Like if everybody had been like, America, you have to watch a Lucan. He's on the run from a mad doctor. It's and then, Lucan time. 
And then everybody tuned in. Then they could bring him back, and he's like, "I'm not really dead. I've got this burn mark, and <laughs> and I'm scary. Yeah. And and I always play scary people. Yeah. Ask Amanda. And and <laughs> we're gonna I'm ask gonna, in a minute. And I'm gonna hunt you down, Lucan. So <laughs> like they could have like done. Maybe they had that in mind. But 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 to me, when I watched that, like you pointed out all the like bad editing but i was just like oh dude he just got sucked up in the river you know <laughs> i said it just like that to like a five-year-old dude, oh man that's bad dude um <laughs> the, the the and the weird thing about the way they set it up too is it's like someone didn't think ahead or something i mean because like like luke and storms into that lab there are two guys in there one of them escapes after getting burnt on the arm and one of them dies a few minutes later and as he's dying and fading away prentice says does he? Does Prentice ask who did this? Who who did this? Who done this? <laughs> who done this? I don't it? know. Like the thing about Prentice is he's still really compelling because, but then at the end he kind of wimps out because, like, and I don't even remember the exact ending, but like the, you know, he's talking to uh, Ty Walker, who's the mm-hmm. bad doctor, and he, you can tell he, he can tell Ty's lying. Yeah, yeah. And and he's like, you know. There's something suspicious here, and yeah. it's like it's like Prentice knows yeah, things, and yet he's like cold-bloodedly stalking this poor wolf boy. Yes, and 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 that scene, and I'll I'll talk about I I am hoping that scene that we see that Lucan dreams where Prentice basically takes 100% takes the word of a man who's been burnt to death and is dying and is clearly not is clearly out of it more or less uh, to arrest Lucan and take him away and somehow get him put in prison on charges. So he has to escape. I'm I'm not sure how that scene works, but I'd like to think that is Lucan in a bit of a haze from exhaustion, remembering it wrong because that's, that scene was so annoying because it's just like, he, you know, he goes up to the guy who's, he's, you know, he's dying and he says, you know, like he says, who did this? Or he, you know, he says whatever it is he said to him. I want to say he says like, who did this or something? And and the guy is dying, but then suddenly his eyes open real wide when he sees Lucan. He's like, "It was him. He did it. Hit who? This person here, Lucan. Yeah, it was him. Oh, he's Maybe dead. That guy. Well, Lucan, you're under arrest. Maybe and that doctor's... guy and Ty were very friendly. <laughs> and then the, the, the doctor is standing there going, "Your know, John Randolph is standing there going, you're, you're going to arrest him on that? Yeah, that, that was <laughs> a delirious that. man who was dying, who, who clearly like." The, the the moment uh, he saw Lucan when you asked who did this his eyes and why and I want to I think he does ask who did this which is a weird thing to ask but I meant to go back and check because you would think you'd ask what happened but the fact that he asked the guy a question and the guy's response is he did it means uh, that I don't think he asked that I'm sorry everyone I meant to go back and, and check that but it's just such a weird moment because you watch that scene and you go well surely no decent cop would oh he's arresting him always oh, take oh he's going to prison oh okay now he's on the run for murder what yeah and then the, and then it just gets it gets exacerbated to the point where it's like it's going to be impossible for him to get out of this how yeah that's that's the thing it's like someone didn't think because there were only two people three people involved Lucan Mr Jerk Doctor Guy and the the dead not really good witness. Yeah, so, I think I think Ty Walker's character. Now, the more I think about it, I think he was intended to come back. Maybe he's like they'll they'll be. Maybe he he like got 
didn't fall all the way down. He got trapped in a little. Or maybe the river took him away and he didn't drown. Yeah. And he ended up on shore somewhere down the way. And like Michael Myers in Halloween 4, some kindly old man picked him up and now he's ready to go out back out and kill again. Yeah. And and so he's also hunting down Lucan. And maybe that would have been compelling, I guess. But they didn't telegraph it well enough to. But the more I think about it. That must because, be it, right? Yeah, because I, they piled so much stuff on Lucan that I can't imagine that there there wasn't supposed to be a better payoff. Yeah, because it, it, at the end of it, it's like, well, Lucan, there were only, it was you and two other people, and those two other people are dead. How are you going to clear yourself? I'll find a way. No, you didn't hear that first thing I said. There were three people involved. The other two are dead. Yeah, like I don't and they understand. Don't believe, they don't believe you. How The only thing I could think of is like if they can... If they can maybe if if the Thai guy is dead, maybe if they find him and find the burn and they can do something with that. Or I thought maybe maybe there was someone they were getting the drugs for. Oh. Who he could be yeah. tracking down possibly, who might reveal that yeah, Ty was one of the guys and that, that might help, but I, I don't I don't know. It it just it just seems strange that you would start a fugitive type I mean like could you could you imagine like if if the first episode of The Fugitive had ended with Dr. Richard Kimball catching the one-armed man, killing him, and then continuing to be on the run. Right. You know, be like, what's he on the run for? Well, the, the one-armed man is dead. He's got no proof. So what do we do now? He's on the run. He has to find a way to prove his innocence. But that wasn't the way to prove his innocence. What What do you – someone didn't think ahead. Yeah. And it wasn't Zagor. No, not our precious Zagor. Zagor, kill. So, um... Maybe that's what he was saying, and then the writers were like, oh, God, he wants us to kill people <laughs> on the show, so let's just, let's create this let's guy. Let's and... And, and let's have an explosion. Oh, my God, there's an explosion, everybody. And then, like, they're <laughs> typing this. You know what I mean? In the writer's room. This, this does have, this does have the ending that's like the ending of the one with the, the fake son on the farm, where, oh, um... Awesome. That's that episode. Where 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 Lucan is um he's like halfway through a field and like, oh he's right there. Uh he's escaped. No, he's right there. Well, that's like doing the rocks. They're like, oh, you know, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Don't shoot him. I want to catch him alive. <laughs> well, why not go after him? And again, as with the cliff and the water, you get no sense of where they are in relation to one another. Because it looks like he's maybe about a hundred feet away from them. That could have been a really great dramatic moment for Claudia Jennings. Yeah. Like, oh, shoot him, and she's like struggling with Prentice and the gun, and and then they, they could have just misfired, and he disappears into the forest. Like they could have done that. Yeah. Instead, there's just a really long shot of him like going up a not very steep incline. Yeah, but Prentice is not in shape. <laughs> Prentice is not. Nah, I, I, saw, I go after him as long as I don't have to run. I saw that movie he did that I've to- out of the blue. I totally forgot the title, even oh, though yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. where he's shit faced through the entire film. I don't think I don't know. You don't have to know. He's 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 got drugs in his system. Mm-hmm. He, so he needs his methamphetamines before he chases anybody up a hill. You know what I mean? It is it is it is odd to watch. I mean, because that's like that's like really the only the only real thing I spotted in here where I was like, oh, that reminded me of the original, the first season. The Prentice won't go after him uh, if he's more guess, than like 200 feet away. I guess the only the thing that reminded me most about the original show was that he is, with the exception of Stephanie Zimbalist, 
he doesn't really develop like feelings for the women that help him out. Yeah. Like in a sexual way, like obviously they're friends and he gets feelings, but like, and women are compelled mm-hmm. and drawn to him. And it's always like, uh, out of some kind of noble act. Yeah. It's yeah. never like, ooh, 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 you know, and they don't take it there. And I like that. And so, and so the relationship he had with Claudia James was really sweet. And there's this part where it kind of blew my mind that he even did it, but, but there's a moment that I really like. So like she gets him into the cabin and she's like, let me check a few things for you. The phone's working. Like he can't do any of this. There's food, you know? And then she's like, now you go right to bed. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll walk you to your car. And I'm like, why are you going out in the open? A. Yeah, I thought like, that's. that's- but he takes her to the car and he leans forward and it almost looks like he's going to kiss her. Mm-hmm. And he just puts his hand on her arm as like a nice squeeze, like, thank you. Yeah. And then he lets her in the car. And I love that moment, mm-hmm. you know, because I like the friendships that he has with these women. I, you know, it's great when shows have like sexy moments and romantic stuff. I like it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I watch soap operas all day, you know, for that <laughs> element. But I think it's nice to see like his relationship with all these different women um, mm. at, who are just like drawn to each other out of some better noble good. And, and then that's their relationship, you know? And so I, I really like that aspect of it, but then she backed into the tree and it's got that giant like leaf thing hanging off the back. Yeah. Of that was a little, and then he, and then of course Ty instantly recognizes it from his cabin. That's from the cabin. That's the mulberry bush that only grows in one place in this entire that was, county. That was odd because the moment I saw that, I thought, ooh, that's contrived. Yeah, it we was were, a little little intense. We and really also could... she changed totally because he's like, aren't you going to ask about Lucan? Should I? Mm. And it's like, you've been asking about him for 40 minutes, Claudia, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, okay, what's going on? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, your cover's been blown already, so. <laughs> you gave it away, yeah. I was a doctor. He's not an idiot. <sighs> So would you would you like to talk about the evil doctor? James Carroll Jordan. So like I can't I I don't, never remember his name, but um James Carroll Jordan is this like pretty good looking actor that's like got like a hint of oh he's probably a sleaze bag and I don't mean the actor I mean there's something about his performances that I feel that when I watch him in things and he always plays the bad guy always so like i'm going to be spoilery here so if you're listening you might want to fast forward but he is the killer in slash dance and when he shows up in slash dance like 20 or 30 minutes into it i go oh that's going to be the killer and guess what he's the killer on three's a crowd he was vicky's ex-boyfriend and then he tried to get back together with her even knowing she was with jack because he's the bad guy and by the way he lied about being married to Vicky and to Mr. Bradford, which made Mr. Bradford very upset. And those are the only two things I can think of right now. But I see him in all kinds <laughs> of stuff. And whenever I see him in things, I'm always like, he's going to be the bad guy. So when I watched this Lucan the first time, I was like, oh, something's up with Ty Walker. Because uh-huh. it's James Carroll Carol Jordan playing him. And what's funny is James Carroll Jordan was on an episode of Tattletales, which surprised me because I didn't know he was that famous. <laughs> and if you ever watched Tattletales, Burke Combi hosted it, and it was couples. It was like a famous person, and then their whoever their spouse was, who was generally not famous, unless it was Christopher George and Linda Day George. Or, mm-hmm. But it would usually be somebody famous and somebody not famous. And he was on the show with his then-wife, who was actually an actress, too, who I recognize, um, but I can't think of her name now. And um, Penny Penser, maybe? Something like that. Oh, Penny Pizer. Yeah, that's that was his first wife. And, wow. and they were on Tattletales together, and he seemed perfectly lovely. And but I have it in my head that he, there's something rotten inside of him because he always plays his bad guys. And he's really good at it. 
Yeah. Like, I have to say, Ty was a really interesting character because he does have that kind of sweet boy-next-door quality. Uh-huh. But he can change on a dime. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he brings out this kind of sinister thing inside of him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just really fascinated by this actor. And so, so the first time I saw it, though, I knew it was him. I didn't even think twice about it. But anyway, I'm like obsessed with him. I'm obsessed with him because I, I want to like be in love with him. Uh, but I think he's going to do something mean to me. Yeah, he's going to be mean to you. Don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, wow. I was married to, to Penny uh, Penny Pizer that she's the um, she's the leading lady in the BJ and the Bear TV movie, The oh, Foundlings. Yeah, yeah that she's was the... his first wife. He's now remarried, but um, they were together. She, she was also the daughter in The In-Laws who's getting married. Oh, yeah, I saw that on her credit because I looked her up to I looked him up, and he still does stuff. I think he does a lot of voiceover, which is interesting because he has kind of an interesting voice. And I was like, oh, so he's still working and stuff. And he actually looks really good. He's like 72. Uh, I mean, he's like 70, comma, also. Like, like uh, yeah, yeah. he's about 70, and he, I think this actor is about 70. And um, and he looks great, and um, and he's working, and I'm happy for him. But I was reading his biography, and that's where I saw he was married. But I was like, where's the part about him being mean to everybody? <laughs> That, the notoriously the shifty actor. Yeah. That's the Hollywood, the big Hollywood secret. We thought it was Weinstein. No. <laughs> no. This guy is mean to people. <laughs> you know he is. He's not. If he's if he ever listens to this, I think he's amazing. But like, yeah. He just he just has a quality that he can bring out in him that that has like, oh, I'm really handsome and charismatic, mm-hmm. but I'm also like dark, too. Yeah. In a not like a not like a suave way, but like in a sinister. Yeah. He's gonna a, mess with you way. Yeah. Yeah, he's he and you you could you could you could I mean because his his name is on the list that John Randolph gives Luke Campbell, that's like, right look for this guy and so you know he's somehow involved and you know and you find out that he's involved because he he went to school during the time when this thing happened and he wrote next to it meanie yes real jerk real jerk ask about Penny <laughs> and um but the uh. Uh, but but there, there's something about it when you first see him in here, and he's there with Claudia Jennings, and and um, uh, he's there with his his dad is is the I guess the main doctor in this small town hospital in Braden, Eric Braden, um, the town not, of Eric. It's Braden. not Eric Braden. Oh, it's it, not Eric Braden. No, um, Eric Braden's uh, Victor. Yeah, Victor Newman. <laughs> Victor Newman on Young and the Restless. I wish I, it was Eric Braden. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be fun? I wish I could do an Eric Braden impersonation, but I can't. He's got I, that very. I, wish I think it was John Larch. He plays Dr. Mason Walker. Mm-hmm. He's a famous character. Yes, you, you know him when you see him. Yeah, he um, and uh, but but yeah, when you see the Ty character, you could tell there's something going on. But it, it isn't until after a time where you're like, oh, he, he was the other guy, right? Oh, well, no, I knew. I did, well, at first I knew. Well, because my thought was, like I said, if there were two people involved and one of them is dead, surely the first one he met wouldn't be the other one. Because that doesn't, like, like I said, that would be like if the first episode of The Fugitive, oh, go talk to this guy. And then Richard Kimball went and talked to me, like, hey, you only got one arm. Yeah. What were you doing the other night? Uh, nothing. You know, that, it, it just seems a little strange, <laughs> like I said, that, that, that this is the other guy. Mm-hmm. And poor, poor Kevin Brophy, though, spends, I actually thought he was going to spend the entire episode having flashbacks in, in a hospital bed. The the other part too though was like uh, Debbie the Claudia Jennings characters she finds Lucan hiding, and she's yeah. like you can go to Ty he's a real good guy. or Doctor Walker I guess he's a real good guy, and then Lucan's like he's not so good and <laughs> and then she's like instantly like sold, 
<laughs> and then she's like, she's like, somehow it's hard to believe, yet I still believe it. <laughs> and you know, it's like she says something like that, and it's like, oh, Claudia, <laughs> Claudia. What? Oh, there, there's a, there's, oh, there was a moment I, I wrote it down here. There was a moment, um, what is it, uh, where um, they are. Dang it, where did I write it down? Where the the first time you see... Um, oh, I have written here, Ty is not a very good doctor. Debbie is a very good nurse. <laughs> These are some great notes I've been taking here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but this is good, You're going to win the, the next Rondo for sure. This is the good shit. Um, and th- there's that weird moment where um, like he's... Lucan is sleeping and both the doctors are there and Lucan says something like, uh, you know, uh, fire... Drugs, one man in white, he escaped. And he says it really loud. And the two doctors look at each other and go, what did he say about a man in white? I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't understand it. And they leave. (laughs) And then how could you not understand it? Because one of the things later on that happens is when that guy is dying of third degree burns, he mumbles something to Prentice and Prentice understands everything. So how come they couldn't understand? They're doctors. How come they couldn't understand? I don't understand it. I didn't get it. Yeah, it was, and and funny because at, 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 uh, I'm wondering if like at that point does Ty is Ty recognize him? I got the feeling that he didn't. At first, Uh, that's a good question. You know, I never even thought about where Ty would come to know it was him. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? I never thought about that. I just thought about when Lucan figured it out. I don't know. Because in that scene, it's it's the older doctor who says, what did he say? And Ty says, I didn't understand it. I don't know. So, I, I don't know. Because, so I, so I mean, surely, surely there must be a chance that, you know, the, the older doctor knows that his son was in a fire. Look over there. There's know. a spaceship. There's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> yeah, you know, going he on. Had, I'm he gonna, had scar. I, and I was like, he's never going to be able to wear short sleeve shirts. Yes, exactly, because everyone will know. Everyone, it's like the one-armed man, the burned-armed man. You see, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? What are they yeah. doing? And that's so funny, but it's funny. The first thing I thought of was he's not going to be able to wear short sleeve shirts, and, you know, <laughs> that's really going to put a damper on his fashion in summer. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really upset for Ty. Yeah, that's... His old, Navy, his old Navy visits will only be in fall. <laughs> what, what did what did he say about a fire tie? Uh, I don't know, Dad. I didn't hear. Uh, Penny's calling. Ty. Oh, did you hear that? Penny's calling me. I'm gonna go. But also, how did he? How did he hide? Because his arm was on fire. Yeah. So like, how did he hide nursing that wound? Because burns aren't just like, oh, I got burned. Yeah. I guess I'll have a scar. Burns are like, oh my god, I'm in total pain for that's like. That's really bad. Yeah, every hour bad. I'm awake until like they skin graft it. Yeah, it's like it's like I when I was uh, young, I got a really bad burn on one of my arms, and then and you can barely tell, and and that was like a like actually I was knocked onto a grill. Oh that my was god. Cooking, and and my my arm stuck to the grill, <gasps> you know, kind of thing. But but then you can't really tell when you look at my arm. And when it's, you see the scar on his arm, you're like, holy crap, that was bad. That's awful, so, but also kind of adorable. Like, I'm thinking about you as a little kid, and it's kind of cute. I would have loved if there was a moment when they were, when that one guy was saying, he did it, Lucan did it, if in the background you saw a man in a white outfit trying to walk by casually as his arm was on fire. <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of thought it would have been better if he was if he said things so vague that it could have been Lucan or it could have been somebody mm-hmm. else. And yeah. so that there was all this, like, kind of air of suspicion mm-hmm. about what he really meant. 
But they didn't do that, yeah. did they? It's and it's weird because presumably Lucan must have said to the police officer, "Hey, I was walking by. These two guys were in there. They were doing something." I, you know, a fire started. I was trying to stop them from taking drugs. A fire started. One guy got away with the burning arm. This other guy's right there. Yeah, he should have. Well, he couldn't remember the burning arm, though. Oh, I guess then he could have. You're right. When he was first. Because in his memories, he, there was a burning arm, but he couldn't bring the memory of it forward. But yeah, at the, in the oh, moment, he could have said that. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I, actually, I have a plane right here. Prentice shows up and then introduces himself to everyone and then talks to the guy. So it's even worse there because he talks to this guy who's dying of burns and the guy says, oh, that guy did it. And he immediately arrests him and takes him away. There's no, he doesn't stop and go, okay, could you please tell me what he meant and what's going on? He immediately arrests him and takes him away. Drama. Now, I'm wondering if it's because he knows he's the wolf boy or something. Yeah, but he he's like he's already him. like returned home because he's with Dr. Hoagland. Like that part didn't make sense to me at all. But I think there is some yeah. kind of weird throwaway line where he's like, they tried to do this to me, but then they found out I was okay. Or like, I feel like he references why he's not on the run yeah, at that time. It's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird that, that yeah, that I, I, I like, like I said, I like to think that the scene, um, and th there's a weird moment too. Yeah. Where, um, Prentice, like the guys there, he's like, he did it. He started the fire. Oh, I'm dead. And, 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 uh, you know, John Randolph says, that's ridiculous. Lucan didn't start the fire. And Prentice's response is not, Lucan, tell me what happened. His response is, how do you know? How do you know he didn't start the fire? I thought, what kind of cop are you? Well, yeah, Prentice, are you, are you a real cop? Prentice who, who has already that? established himself as like a thoughtful person. So like. He, he establishes himself as an idiot. In well, that here, scene. in this, in this, but previous. He's he was real good at detecting other people's BS, and so like he 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 uses he's got healthy distrust. It's so weird because they, they, he handcuffs Lucan and then like hands him to another cop. Is like, come on, Wolf Boy, and I thought, what's going on? What? He's just what, mad what because is... he's mad because he couldn't bring the Wolf Boy on his own. That, that's it's 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 such a weird scene. Like I said, I think it's Lucan in a nightmarish exhausted dehydrated frenzy misremembering it because it's a stupid it's legitimately a scene that i would call stupid it's poorly written and it's it's counterintuitive to the way you know like a, someone who is dying of a third degree burn you're 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 going to 100 percent. i mean yeah he's dying and maybe but but you're absolutely 100 going to believe everything he says yeah, you have and to you're get, not like, going evidence to, and like yeah yeah, would you? Would you? And that's the thing is, it doesn't. It looks like he's leaving with Lucan. It looks like they're like leaving. Now maybe they're not. Maybe he's going to examine the room. But it it doesn't make any sense that this guy. Who, I mean, like, what? What? Where's the evidence? Like, I feel like you that? need to learn how to let this thing go, Dan. Because I just well, if they're if they have reconfigured the entirety of a series that I was enjoying on this scene. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, know, I, to, I feel your anger. If you're going to pivot it on the scene, the scene has to, there has to be something. And this is a, a poorly written, this feels like it was like at the last minute, someone was like, oh, we have to have a reason for him getting arrested. Well, how about the guy who's dying of third degree burns randomly says it and then dies? Okay. It's poor. It's, it's poorly written. And if they're going to, if they're going to revamp it, they need to it's it's like and i've said this so many times before third season of bj and the bear 
when BJ takes over a trucking company. And now he has seven female employees, and they're all hot. <laughs> but someone didn't think it through, because one of the things about it is that BJ doesn't have relations or relationships with any of his employees. So that means the show went from being about a guy and a chimp traveling the country to a guy, a chimp, an evil sheriff, a deputy, and seven women. In ev- that's the full cast in every episode of the third season, going from two to te- 10 or 11. But the problem is that since BJ isn't allowed to have romance with any of the seven ladies, each episode has to bring in a new lady for him to have a romance <laughs> with. So not only do they not have enough for the seven ladies to do, they have to bring in a new episode for each they have to bring a new lady for each episode to have the romance. So you watch that and you go, someone didn't think this cra-. and and luckily the first lady they bring in is Pamela Susan Shoup. Oh, I love her. So it's great that she's and she's in a two-parter. But at the same time you're watching going, "Now wait a minute. We've got seven hot ladies that he works with and they have to bring in another hot lady to add the romance angle that's in every episode. Someone didn't think this through." And that's the problem I have with this. Now I'm going to have to give it up. I'm going to have to let it slide. But we're talking about it now, so I'll get angry at it now. Okay, good. Okay. And now I'm done. Now I'm just, done. I mean, we just can't fix it. That's the thing. So it's kind of like, problem, yeah. it's a it's a thing. And I don't want it to, like, overwhelm how good the show has been mm-hmm. up to this point. It's, and it's, and it's, it's going to get a little better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky because I really liked where the Prentice Lucan thing was going. Mm-hmm. And now this reboots it. Yeah, I did and too. And not in a good way. It's, it's like, it's like the, when, when the, when when Bobby was in the shower and suddenly you realize that the previous 30 episodes of Dallas rolled back. And so now not only at the start of season 10 of Dallas do you have to remember where we were <laughs> at the end of season 8, but we have to set aside all the things that you... I mean, oh, that what, drove what me it, nuts. What was it? Ray and... Um, Ray and the, the woman he was with, the blonde woman whose was name I'm Donna? forgetting... Yes, yes. They 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 were having such a tough time in season eight, but in season nine they get together and they're making it work. They adopted a child. They're building a house on the land on South Fork that, that Jock gave to Ray. But then when the season rolls back, suddenly they're on the verge of divorce and they separate and it's awful. Well, what about Jerry Cantrell? He comes in potentially as Sue Ellen's love interest. Yeah. And also I yeah. think John Beck, too, comes in for Pamela. For Pam. Yeah, and, and, and I love both, both of them are great. And um, and Jerry Cantrell and Sue Ellen have kind of a slow build, yes. and it doesn't really get that far. So it's I guess for a lot of people it wasn't heartbreaking, but I love them together, and there was all this potential. And then it just was like he didn't exist anymore, and I was like, and, you can't get rid of Jerry Cantrell. And in in one respect, doing that was sort of such a brave thing to do, like to just say. And not only it's a dream, but the last 30 episodes don't... Does that mean the rest of Dallas, because Dallas was always set at the time it aired, does that mean at that point on Dallas is one year behind everything? I I wondered that, and I feel like there's some Knott's Landing stuff, too, that might have gotten mixed in. Yeah, the the Knott's Landing didn't roll back. No, and so... But Dallas did. Yeah, it was like a weird thing that happened. But, like, I like the dream season so much because... They actually dealt with Bobby's death, but but yeah. at the same time, so if I'm correct, uh, Patrick Duffy left the show because his parents were killed. Do you remember that they were murdered? Yeah. And he mm-hmm. and he, I think he was just like, I'm done with everything, and he left the show. And then Larry Hagman 
like was having dinner with him one night or something because they were all very close like the main cast members stayed very close yeah. and he was like we really would like you to come back and I think Patrick Duffy felt like it was okay to return because yeah. I think he was feeling better about stuff and and so I excuse it because I think Patrick because I think a lot of people were like why would he go and then come back but I feel like there were really legitimate reasons why he needed yes. a year off and I yeah. think they just thought he wasn't going to come back mm-hmm. and and so so I welcome him back but like it was really hard to let go of some of the stuff that was happening on the it's, show. It's 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 actually in in having knowing about it when I was a kid, but then actually watching it as an adult. It's actually I think it was such a brave thing to actually just say, and and remember too that they don't say it's Bobby at the cliffhanger. It looks like Bobby, but the credits have a big question mark. Oh, okay. So yeah. you, so you don't know who it is until the next season begins and they officially oh, say it's right. Bobby. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. And you realize everything. I mean, I think that's so brave that they roll... I mean, because that episode has a proper cliffhanger. One of the crazy broads who takes Dak Rambo to <laughs> Okay, we're Europe, getting off topic here. <laughs> yeah, blows up Jenny Lee Harrison and Sue Ellen. They blow up oh, no, with no, bombs. No. They no, blow no, them no. up at the end of the season. Don't touch my Sue Ellen. Yeah, Jr. Jr. They, they, she, the crazy lady puts a bomb in Jr.'s office and a bomb in Dak Rambo's car. But Jenny Lee Harrison is the other um, Ewing goes into the car. She blows up in the car, and Jr. is late. And Sue Ellen goes into his office, and she blows up in the office. So you get an incredibly good cliffhanger, and then everything fades to black, and then it fades back in, and you see Pam in bed, and you think it's that same day. She gets up, goes to the shower, opens it up expecting to see John Beck, and it's someone who looks like Bobby saying, good morning, yeah. and then it ends. And then it ends. And there's no, they don't say, you know, there's no sign that it's a dream. There's no sign that anything weird, because it's first thing in the morning, there's no sign that anything weird has happened. Because earlier in the episode, I think like her and John Beck returned from South America, or they just got married, or it's meant to be the day after something big happened in their lives. So that moment it happens, you legitimately are like, what the hell was that? And I know we're really off topic we're here. We're super the point off of the, topic. The, the, point, the point of it is that when everything rolled back 30 episodes, you had to reconfigure and you, you lost things that may have been annoying. You never got to find out how that cliffhanger with the explosions was resolved. You never technically got to meet those weird people who seemed to wander in from Dynasty. Yeah, but here's the difference, I guess, when you think about it. Dallas could afford to do that because it had already how many seasons where we, we at least yeah, understood we were, what was happening. Yeah. And here we have just a handful of episodes. Yes. And it, it's just, you, I don't think you can make such a switch and and have people accept it as willingly yeah. as they might have with Dallas. Plus there was a whole history with Dallas. But like it had years of these characters that we'd already been living with. So mm-hmm. even though there was some adjusting, they have a really strong history behind them yeah. that hasn't been touched. And so like you're like, okay, well, Sue Ellen was still an alcoholic. She did this. You know, I can follow yeah. all this. But like uh, with Lucan, it's like, oh, I don't understand why he's at Dr. Hoagland's office. I don't understand why Princess is a cop. I don't understand double murders on a kid show. Like, I don't understand any of it. And you don't have that same history. Um, And so that's where it's like really messing around. Because even if it had been a really good transition, I still feel like there's it would have been really rough for fans, you know? Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, they, I guess they could have tried, but I think it would have been, if, if this episode maybe had been a, following up from the first season, and then maybe the episode ended where Prentice saw like Lucan fighting with someone and thought Lucan committed a murder, 
or something. Yeah, and I mean, there's like, lots of oh things they could have done to make it like he didn't. There's enough evidence to the audience's mind that yeah. Lucan can get out of it instead of just creating this almost like, see, okay, throw away the key. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but the, I don't know. It might have also come very last minute. Like it could have been. Yeah. yeah and they just had to put something together. They just they were like, we can get James Carroll Jordan, and he's a meanie. <laughs> could could you imagine that? And, and then we'll stop talking about this episode, everyone, because um, I think I think we've we've said quite a bit. Um, but could you imagine if it had been like if the episode ended with like maybe Prentice thinking Luke had killed someone? And then when the next episode begins, Lucan goes into a town and maybe everyone's looking at him askance and he's thinking it's because, oh, maybe they saw that I was the wolf boy. But no, there's something in the paper about him being wanted for questioning for a murder. I guess. I just don't like the murder aspect of it I at don't all. Like it. I don't like it either. I'm just trying to make it smoother. Sort of like Prentice would have gone to the police and said, hey, I saw someone who was fighting with this guy when he died. It's the wolf boy that I'm after. Okay, now we want to question him about that i i don't think it because it it was because because prior to this episode it was sort of more like a moving on route 66 with an or even an incredible hulk but with an element of the guy trying to catch him who you know is not going to catch him um but now that it's a murder thing it's like yeah it's 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 it i don't I don't want it to be The Fugitive. That's not the show I want to watch. I'll no. watch The Fugitive if I want to watch The Fugitive. No. Yeah, it just it was a bad decision and it makes me yeah. sad. Yeah. So 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 this one um yeah, watch it yourself. See what you think on it, everybody. Um, uh, it definitely has some moments. Claudia Jennings is delightful. Kevin Brophy apart from when he's passed out on the bed for half the episode is 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 good as always. Um but uh it's uh, I just I don't I d- to me, the, the, the rebooting of the, the premise doesn't work. But maybe it'll work for the next episode. We got three more. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So, Amanda, do you have anything else on this one? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, boy, I got some great notes here. Ty is not a very good doctor. He's, what that? he's a meanie. He's not a very good doctor. Debbie is a very good nurse. Oh, thank you, Dan. Okay, so so I guess Amanda. So, um, uh, how are you? Where are you? What's going on? Can you tell us about anything that's happening at all? Uh, anything at all? I guess I I already think I mentioned this, but like in August, uh, there's a new TV movie box set coming out through Fun oh, yes, City Editions yeah. called Primetime Panic Two, and um, there's three movies on, and of course I can only remember the title of my movie. Um, that I did the commentary for, which is The Seduction of Gina, which is a really great uh, Valerie Bertinelli um, TV movie where she's uh, got an addiction to gambling. And it's also got Michael Braden in it. And um, oh, it's amazing. It's such a good movie. And I was really happy to be able to do the commentary for that. And um, I know that's coming out in August. I think everything else that I'm working on hasn't been announced yet. So, and also, you and I did a podcast episode on um, two Money Marco movies. Yes. And I'm working on the interview edit, so hopefully by the time this comes out, my that episode and the episode we recorded before that, <laughs> we got that two. I've been able to touch, um, will be available. And my podcast now, which is called the Made for TV Mayhem Show, which Dan is my co-host, we are now on Spotify and yeah. what's the other big server? There's like two really big. Oh, Amazon Music, I think we're on there yeah. now, and iTunes, of course, and stuff like that. But um, anyway, so please look for us if you're interested in yeah. TV movies, and look for Monty Markham coming up soon. Yay! Yay! 
All right, welcome to season two, everybody, and thank you again, Amanda. We only have three episodes left, so it's just, mm. we don't have a big haul here. But um, next up is Brother Wolf. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that this is going to be a good time. And um, and uh, next up on here, we've got a little bit of this. And this is what's next: the end of the episode. Yep, yeah, we're in a we're in a strange spot with Gemini Man. We're in a weird spot with Galactica 1980, and we're one episode away from the end of Gemini Man. Interesting time right now. So, where are we online? Where can you find us? Eventually, supertrain.blogspot.com, at eSupertrain1 on Twitter, eventually, supertrain on Facebook. Uh, you can email me at dannyslacks at yahoo.com. And yeah, just, you know, be good to yourself, be cool. We'll be back next time with more of everything that you love, but maybe not more of this. Mm-hmm.